This is Encore Performances, reconnecting with friends of GBA. I'm your host, Joel Carson, the Executive Director of the Geoprofessional Business Association. GBA is known for engaging with amazing speakers at our conferences, and in this series, we reconnect with past keynotes that have become old friends of GBA to see where life has taken them and learn from their journey. They are American heroes, best-selling authors, business leaders, executive coaches, all experts in their field and brilliantly engaging. I hope you enjoy reconnecting with these friends of GBA as much as I do. Today, I'm reconnecting with an inspiring keynote speaker from our 2018 fall conference that was held in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm really excited to have this American hero and a friend of GBA and a friend of mine with me today. Brent Gleason is a Navy SEAL combat veteran with multiple tours to Iraq and Africa. Upon leaving SEAL Team 5, Brent turned his discipline and battlefield lessons to the world of business, and he's become an accomplished entrepreneur, author, and acclaimed speaker on a broad range of topics. He's the founder and CEO of Taking Point Leadership, a progressive leadership and management consulting firm with a focus on business transformation and building high-performance cultures. With degrees and certificates from Southern Methodist University, Oxford University in England, and the University of San Diego, Brent's extensive experience is both academic and real world in nature. He's won awards for business leadership and was named one of the top 10 CEOs in Entrepreneur Magazine's October 2013 issue for his exemplary approach to building high performance teams and businesses. He is a best-selling author of Taking Point, a Navy SEAL's 10 fail-safe principles for leading through change, which was a number one new release on Amazon in organizational change and business structural adjustment. He's also starred in several reality TV shows, including Stars Earned Stripes, where he and Chris Kyle, an American sniper, along with other special ops professionals, were paired with celebrities to compete and raise money for charities like Wounded Warrior Project. He's also the author of a soon-to-be-released book, Embrace the Suck, the Navy SEAL way to an extraordinary life. He's on the executive board of the SEAL Family Foundation, and his family is an ambassador family for March of Dimes. He's married to an equally accomplished wife, and together they're raising three wonderful children, soon to be four. It's great to talk to you again, Brent. Welcome. Uh, good to see you, brother. It's been too long. It has been too long, and congratulations on your new book, and more importantly, the new addition to your family. Thank you. Uh, you know, I, I typically travel all the time, and and who knew that it just, I'm not a doctor or anything, but who knew? It just uh, took me actually being around, uh, and then boom, <laughs> we got pregnant immediately. So, Brent, I have a few questions for you to update our GBA members that were lucky enough to see your presentation with us in Nashville. When we were together in 2018, you emphasized the importance of organizational culture. This is really important in good times when the economy is strong and predictable, but tell us how important culture is in this very unpredictable time. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's as you know, from my first book, which um, kind of leans heavily into the importance of culture as it relates not just to high-performing teams and delivering uh, positive business outcomes and the desired results of an organization or a team, but also as it relates to navigating change. And as we know, change is just the new normal in the modern world of business. Now in 2020, we're adding on a whole new layer of externalities that are forcing organizations to change even faster than they were before whether it's technology, digital transformation, uh, restructuring the business, trying to identify new revenue streams or opportunities just to save the business, you know, whether it's sifting through financial data or restructuring operating models, all these different things force an organization down this change funnel even faster than we normally are in good times, as you, as you just mentioned. Culture is oftentimes something that's deprioritized even when business is good because we're focused on sales and growth and revenue generation, profitability. I think we these days we understand it, but still deprioritize it based on other forces at play that realize that the people practices and really managing the culture, defining the culture of an organization and leveraging that defined culture and those associated guiding principles and supporting behaviors, assuming they're documented, to deliver desired business results. They do have a direct impact on growth, profitability, the ability to attract and retain good talent, attract and retain great customers and clients. All these things, as we call it, taking point leadership, the service profit chain that really drives profit within an organization. It all comes back to culture and it comes back to leadership. Uh, leadership in, in good times and in bad is, is always the problem and it's always the solution. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> And that's where culture comes into play, but especially now uh, with organizations, large and small, especially if you think about small businesses right now. I mean, small businesses think about, you know, the restaurant industry. I mean, they're changing, at least here in California, the way they operate almost on a weekly basis, whether you're dining inside, you're dining outside, you're not dining at all. It's only drive through. It's only takeout. Uh, they're literally changing the way they operate their business every other day, every week, every other week, a few times a month. So it's forcing organizations to really think about you know, who they are and who they're going to be. Uh, if we think about this from a you know, forward-looking perspective, uh, a lot of organizations and teams, if they're not already, should start thinking about what do we now look like in 2021 and beyond. And one of my least favorite terms over the past few months is when this is all over. There's not going to be a when this is all over. It's going to yeah. be a gradual transition into a new normal, and we'll all feel the ripple effects of this for years to come. And that's why the culture of a team of an organization is, is or can be its strongest, most powerful weapon for navigating uncertainty, navigating volatility and the ambiguity that we're all facing. Yeah, for sure. There, there is no getting back to normal. And there's also some great opportunities out there, too, and some that we'll talk about, some of the opportunities that you've identified for yourself. I was struck as I was reflecting on your presentation you talked about some really alarming statistics about employee engagement that even before this crisis, they were very low. And now I imagine that engagement of employees is a new challenge. And so can you talk about, and you talked about the importance of leadership. Can you talk about what leaders need to be doing now to address and improve engagement in these unprecedented times? No, absolutely. Uh, it's a good point. I was actually thinking about this and we were talking about it with our team in one of our weekly meetings the other day as it relates to some of our, our current clients uh, that we're doing now a lot of our consultative work virtually for the time being. The, the data typically over the past few years comes back around the same. Usually engagement is typically around 30 to 35 percent in any given organization. Engagement meaning your employees that are all in all the time, they're emotionally connected to the mission of the organization, 
they go above and beyond. They tackle projects and initiatives that are even sometimes outside of their own job description or job function because they want to see the organization you know, move in a positive direction, achieve results, and they understand how their day-to-day -day job function drives mission success. Then the rest of organizations are divided into two buckets, which are uh, disengaged and actively disengaged. Now, the disengaged bucket is usually the largest pool. They're, you know, they're. It's not necessarily always a bad thing. They typically are performing their jobs. They're not necessarily going above and beyond, but they're doing good or the bare minimum. And then the actively disengaged are a, a challenging set, especially during times of change, which is constant. They're the people in the organization who are typically working against the company, the team, the organization. Uh, the naysayers are not bought into the change initiative or just not bought into the mission in general. The challenge with the actively disengaged is oftentimes they have a powerful voice because of tenure or subject matter expertise or both. And therefore, uh, that toxicity and that voice uh, is heard and grows more quickly than other people in the organization. Uh, that's why those people have to be dealt with carefully. There's uh, ways to do that outside of just exiting those folks. But right now, I would imagine, I haven't seen the data on this, but I would imagine that 30 to 35% engagement is now more 3 to 5% engagement, especially in organizations who are not used to working virtually. And with not just the, not just the Zoom meetings, now, I will say, not every meeting has to be a Zoom meeting. Am I right? You're, you're right. <laughs> every morning I'm scrambling down to my calendar. I'm like, is, is this a call, a Zoom call, or is it just a regular call? Do I need to comb my hair? Do I need to have a shirt on? What, what, what's happening right now? Although I do love seeing your, your shining face. But uh, in general, for our team meeting and client meetings, not, everyone, not every call has to be a Zoom call. But, uh, but it's a challenge. And I think there's several things that we need to be doing that are not a far cry from what your typical engagement strategies are uh, for managers and leaders in an organization. But in a way, it's, it's, it's increasing the level of communication and not just having meetings or Zoom calls for the sake of doing it. Although I do say that, you know, jokingly, not every call has to be a Zoom call, but the social interaction and seeing one another is now more important than ever. So I do encourage, actually, that um, the majority of meetings that teams have, it should be done virtually like this. So we can see each other, we can interact and have a little bit of that social connectivity that we usually get in the workplace. So increasing communication, but also kind of going back to the, to the book, just even when times are good, is increasing the level of conversation around, you know, the mission, what we're trying to accomplish. If we are pivoting on the battlefield, what does that pivot look like? What is the purpose and the why behind it? Because a lot of us right now, our team members included, we're working just as hard. We're just working on a lot of different things. You know, a lot of times great initiatives that we just didn't have time to do before because we're servicing our clients, we're doing business development strategies, we're out speaking and traveling, and now we're focusing a lot on innovation and thought leadership and new revenue stream ideas. And what does this look like in 2021? Are we going to be doing a lot of things more virtually? I think the workplace is going to change permanently for a lot of organizations and how we think about workspace and office space and how we use technology to communicate. So really talking a lot about where we're headed, even if leaders and organizations, myself included, don't really have all of the answers right now. That's okay. We don't have to have all the answers. But having conversations around it, not, not through an email to the company, or but one-on-one but -on -one meetings, team meetings like this, talking about the, the purpose of the organization and where we're headed. Admitting there is going to be a little bit of ambiguity, uncertainty, and things might be different a month from now. We might be having a little bit of a, a different conversation, which is why culture and the two most important culture pillars of a high-performing team are trust and accountability. Those things right now as part of the culture of an organization are more important than they've ever been before. The team has to trust one another, just leaders trusting the team to execute on what they collectively decide they need to do. But even more importantly, in high-performing organizations, trust is up the chain of command, meaning 
We all trust each other up and down and horizontally across the organization. We're going to flex as needed. We're going to get through this. We're going to communicate effectively. And then, of course, personal and team level accountability. Those things are more important than ever. And so that being kind of the third thing that we need to preach as leaders and organizations to increase that level of connectivity and engagement is talk a lot about accountability, create accountability mechanisms and put those in place if we don't have them already. Those are important more than ever because we're not side by side in the office all day long. Uh, we might have a couple calls a week or Gchat communication or communication via email, making sure that there's better planning and better debriefing mechanisms in place than ever before. So we can plan accordingly the new initiatives, the new projects, the new strategies that we're trying to implement, and then debriefing as we go so we can continue to course correct and create that culture of learning so that we have the ability to continue to adapt more than ever. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought up trust and accountability. Those two pillars are just, it seems that those are areas that we really have to leverage right now, especially with remote workforces and, and all of the um, unknowns that the future brings. And you talked about the importance of accountability for your teams from a personal accountability standpoint. I, I've, as I've talked to leaders of our member organizations, it's sometimes hard to, to get up and get going and hold our own selves accountable. So just for a moment, if you could touch on individual accountability and, and the importance of that and, and maybe some advice for the leaders that are listening out there. Uh, absolutely. And, and personal level accountability for leaders is one of the many burdens of command. And it's just as hard for leaders it is, as it is for anybody else. Sometimes even more so because there's so many moving pieces right now. There's so many different things to think about and taking care of the team and taking care of your customers and keeping revenue generating and looking and making sure we're profitable or getting back to profitability and finding a way to design a winning outcome uh, as we move through this current environment. And it really starts with making personal accountability top of mind. Literally, sometimes even as, uh, depending on you know, who the person is, I, I like to even put things in my calendar, reminders to make sure that I am holding myself accountable to communicating with the team or coming back to conversations around our team charter, which are our core values, our supporting behaviors and accountability mechanisms. That really helps define our culture. We hadn't talked about it, for example, in a while. And that was on me. So I brought it up at our Monday meeting yesterday. Hey, guys, we need to come back and talk about this. This is what we preach to our clients and we haven't done it in a while. And that's on me. Accountability as part of the culture does start with us as leaders to ensure that we're not always talking about things in glossy, rosy terms, uh, because especially now, uh, that would be probably somewhat inauthentic. But really talking about what can, what can I do better uh, as the leader of this organization? Here's some things that I think I can do better but also having those conversations through formal and mostly even informal mechanisms to continue to connect with the team on you know, what can I do better to drive this organization forward to make your lives easier, to make uh, the vision more clear or the strategy more understandable so you guys can connect to it. It really doesn't have to be anything super formal. It's just really about talking about it. And then of course, behaving in a manner uh, that shows accountability as part of the culture. It, it all starts with us holding ourselves accountable to do what we're going to say we're going to do, especially now more than ever, and increasing that level of communication with the team. Yeah, it just reminds me again how poignant taking point a Navy SEALs 10 fail-safe principles for leading through change is so important right now because change is everywhere. One of the questions that I've asked is kind of a message of hope that I'm looking for in all of this. And I've asked my friends and I've asked people that I've had a chance to re-engage with like you. Um, and maybe you can share your message with us. Um, I've asked people to fill in the blank to this question or this statement. The silver lining in all of this is 
blank. It's funny you mentioned that. I was looking up non-motivational quotes the other day just to share with the team because they're pretty funny. Um, and one was, you know, we're all, we all look for the silver lining in a situation, but most of us get electrocuted while we're looking. It's, uh, but, but, and I've been doing a lot of research because the new book is about resilience. It's about the expansion of your comfort zone. It's about leaning into adversity, change, and suffering to live a more purpose-driven, fulfilling life. Uh, and how can we embrace change, embrace uh, the inevitable obstacles that we all face in life. <laughs> I argue in the book that bad things don't happen in threes, and clearly bad things do happen in threes. <laughs> Global <laughs> pandemic, recession, nationwide writing. Here we go. And I'm sure there's a fourth, fifth, and sixth one coming before the year is out, so stand yeah. by. For that. And I, I wrote an article, uh, because a lot of the research for the new book is about uh, mental toughness, grit, resilience. I wrote an article a couple weeks ago that went, I don't like this term, but it went viral, for lack of a better term, which clearly shows the type of things people are searching for right now. And it was the 13 habits of, uh, of mentally tough people. Uh, and and the, the principles in the article relate to individuals. They relate to teams in the same way. And similar to what I write about in the book is having a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. We had to boil it down to the most simple, uh, simple way to find the silver lining in any adverse situation is, is our mindset and the people we surround ourselves with. These are all choices that we make. I also argue too that we spend a lot, of, a lot of time focusing on things that are out of our control, that are out of our sphere of influence, when all we should be focusing on right now is what is in, within our immediate control and what can we move the needle on? What can we do to improve ourselves, our team, our organization, our families uh, right now, despite all of the craziness in the world? So what? There's gonna be other obstacles we'll face in life. I mean, I've got friends right now who are not just dealing with financial issues and you know, the, the economy and the pandemic and also have a brain tumor. And all, somebody always has it worse than you do. So it really is about getting back to perspective and changing our mindset around what true adversity really is and not worrying about the things that are outside of our control and outside of our sphere of influence. Don't ignore them. We have to, you know, keep, we have to have situational awareness, but deprioritize them, put those things on the side burner, keep an eye on them, but focus only on what's in your control right now. And that's, you know, operating the business, keeping the team together, uh, focusing on family and children and um, doing things that we normally don't normally have a lot of time to do, fitness, wellness, all these things that are critical for mental toughness and navigating ambiguity and uncertainty, keeping mind and body healthy, all these things that, are, that will help us find that silver lining and identifying what that is. Do we have control over, uh, over chasing that silver lining? And if we don't, maybe there's a, a different opportunity out there. But looking for those opportunities amidst the chaos and you know, the murky waters of uncertainty is critically important as opposed to throwing our hands up and saying, well, gosh, I really can't do much about this right now, so I'll just do less or do nothing. Well, in the SEAL teams, one of our many, many philosophies is find work. There's always work to be done. There's always something to, uh, to tackle, uh, not necessarily activity for the sake of activity, because there's a big difference between activity and accomplishment, but finding things to do that will better yourself, better your family, better your organization, better your team, better yourself, so that you can move through this uh, in a positive way, as opposed to dwelling on, you know, sort of spending time and what we call causal thinking as far as well, why this, why now, why me, focusing on it, debriefing it, but not dwelling on it. Uh, th those are critical to finding that silver lining and then moving forward, having an action-oriented way of thinking to say, okay, here's the situation, let's debrief, let's gather as much information, let's identify resources, what are the obstacles standing in our way of executing a new plan, whether that plan be personal, professional, family, 
what is that new plan? And let's execute, execute, execute. I'd like the idea of uh, looking for something to do that will better your position, staying active, staying engaged, so that when opportunities present themselves, then you can apply those well, to and, whatever situation. If, if you think about it for, purely from a business perspective, the organizations that not just survived, but some even thrived in the 2008 and beyond recession, those organizations gained market share. They came out more financially solvent uh, than the competition. I, one I actually wrote about in Taking Point, they're a client of ours, uh, they're a, uh, you know, a, in, the, in the mortgage industry, and they, they crushed it <laughs> during 2008 because they had resilience principles embedded in their organization uh, for healthy redundancy and being um, you know, financially liquid and just making good decisions, uh, not assuming that uh, the cyclical nature of that type of uh, industry w would change, assuming that it would change uh, was, yeah. sort of their, was sort of their model, just like on you know, the literal battlefield. We assume that things are gonna change. That's why we have contingency plans and we are so prepared that we have that ability to pivot. That goes back to that difference between planning and preparation. Planning is great, you gotta have a plan, but we only believe in taking point in an 80% plan. There's no such thing as a 100% plan, especially right now. By the time you strive for that 100% perfect plan, everything on the landscape of the battlefield has changed already. Then you gotta replan. Go with your 80%, good enough is good to go, and then execute and have contingencies so that you can pivot. That's, and that's all of us right now, personally, professionally, companies, families, our financial situations, uh, having that new plan, tackling it, but having the assumption that something else is gonna change in a week, in a month. So I know you mentioned that you normally spend a lot of time traveling uh, as you reach out and share your message with uh, organizations like GBA. And so what are you focusing your time on, you and the team at Taking Point, now that you're not traveling the world? I've been on one trip, and that was to San Antonio to, uh, for a new client of ours. They're a restaurant group called Bill Miller Barbecue. Been around for 60 years, family-owned business, phenomenal organization. Literally two days after I got back from the San Antonio trip, that's when Texas got smacked <laughs> with another wave of COVID. So I'm just like, oh. So anyways, we're spending a lot of time, like I said, on many really great initiatives that we just haven't really had time for. And I don't like the excuse of, well, we don't have time, but you know, quite frankly, when we're trying to execute on you know, client projects, those have to come first. So we're providing good services to the organizations that we're partnered with. So we're spending a lot of time on uh, creativity and innovation as it relates to thought leadership and putting out great content as it relates to videos, our Forbes leadership column, uh, webinars, uh, live town halls that I'm doing with the SEAL Family Foundation. Obviously, that's a charitable initiative, not necessarily directly associated with Taking Point, but doing things like that that will further our position, and I'm suggesting this for any brand and organization out there, do things right now that will keep your brand and organization top of mind with your current and potential customers and clients, that will further your position as a thought leader in, the, uh, in your space, so focusing on social media initiatives and putting out great content that people will share and showing uh, your expertise uh, in your given space uh, will continue to create that, that digital funnel. My previous company, as you know, was a, that I owned for 11 and a half years was a digital marketing agency. And so one of the things we partnered with our clients on and also taught uh, them to do is to create that funnel. So you know, there's obviously top of funnel uh, initiatives and uh, content marketing strategies that will keep pushing uh, that client or customer down the, the, the purchasing cycle. Uh, to where they do eventually reach out, engage you in a conversation about hiring you or buying your products or services. 
I really think that organizations right now, if they're limited in some of the other things they can do, need to focus really on their marketing. And that's typically in situations like this, going back to 2008 and other recessions, what is the first, what are the first initiatives and budget-oriented things that we pull? Marketing. And the organizations, yes, yeah, because it, it's painful. You know, marketing done right needs to have a significant investment of not just monetary resources, but time and people. What organizations need to do and the ones that do thrive in, in adverse situations like this, whether it be a recession or a global pandemic, hypothetically speaking, uh, is they, they pull resources from other areas uh, to make it happen or find other ways to, to invest people, time, energy, and money into the continuation of their marketing initiatives or even developing new marketing uh, initiatives, like I said, through thought leadership and the creation of great content. We can't, no organization can afford not to do that. The other thing is layered into that uh, outside of marketing is people development. And again, I wrote about this scenario. I know, I know, we don't have the time, we don't have the money, we can't do leadership development or invest time and energy into uh, our talent development strategies or sending people to courses or hiring consulting firms. There's other things you can do uh, in a cost-effective manner. And really it comes down to, can we afford not to develop our people? And like you said before, at the beginning of this conversation, these things are, are oftentimes hard enough when times are good, but developing our people, uh, spending time on doing that in creative ways that are cost effective for the organization that can be thought of as revenue generating activities because better talent produces better work, better quality, retains customers, happy customers drive profit. So those two things I think are where organizations really need to be spending the time on developing their people and then you know, marketing and business development strategies that will benefit them, maybe not right away, but more of that long tail strategy uh, that will drive revenue down the line. I'm glad that you brought up thought leadership because uh, I've, I've enjoyed your articles in Forbes magazine and I've shared those with, uh, with GBA members through our news log, uh, reposting those. And I've gotten some great feedback. So, so that's one place that our members can engage with you. And you have a new book coming out, Embrace the Suck. So tell me where our listeners can connect with you for personal coaching, uh, group uh, professional development, speaking engagements to get copies of your books and, and your articles? How, do our, how can we sure. reach out to you? Uh, I think the best hub would be the, the Taking Point, our, our company website, which is takingpointleadership.com. It's got everything you want to know about the books, my previous book, Taking Point, the new book, Embrace the Suck, which as most of your members will know who David Goggins is. He wrote the forward. He was my buds classmate and SEAL teammate at SEAL Team 5. He's got about 3 million Instagram followers. Most people know who he is these days. He wrote a, a gut punch of a forward that really kicks the book off nicely and makes the reader, including myself, feel like a huge wimp, but super entertaining. The book's, it's fun. It's going to be a quick read. Everybody will enjoy it. So you can find information about the book on takingpointleadership.com. You can also pre-order it now through Amazon. So if you just do a search for Amazon, embrace the suck, Brent Gleason, pops right up. That's the best place to find all our resources about our services, whether it be long-term consulting, our webinar series, uh, executive coaching, things like that. We've got some another new initiatives, all uh, with the capability of doing things virtually. Social media-wise, obviously, I'm on LinkedIn, and um, and I'm on, I'm on Instagram now. I was urged that I have to have an Instagram presence because I didn't, so it's uh, Brent underscore Gleason uh, on Instagram. But, uh, man, it's so, been a pleasure. It's great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, having me, and uh, hopefully we can do it again. Yeah, thank you. So again, that's takingpointleadership.com to find out everything about Brent Gleason and get uh, information about his book. Sounds like an incredible forward on that book. So I'm looking forward to reading that along with the content that you're sharing. 
And thank you so much for making time for, for me and our listeners today. And I look forward to our next time we connect. Me too, brother. Thanks so much. All right. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Encore Performances, Reconnecting with Friends of GBA. If you enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe and listen to future episodes. I'm confident you'll be inspired, informed, and entertained. For more great resources to help make you and your business smarter, stronger, and more successful, visit our website at geoprofessional.org. Thank you again for listening to your continued success.